Welcome to the Fearless Health Podcast with host Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Dr. Barter is on a mission to help people achieve their health and wellness goals and help men and women live their best lives fearlessly. Dr. Barter is the founder of Alternative Family Medicine and Chiropractic in Denver and Longmont, Colorado. so much for joining us here today on the Fearless Health Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and today we are talking about such an important topic that people tend to really overlook, but it's been gaining a lot of popularity here recently, and that is genetics. And I have a very gifted practitioner with me here today. Her name is Dr. Jay Dunn. She's been practicing natural medicine for over 30 years. She's a chiropractic physician, and she is certified in functional medicine, and she is an internationally known lecturer on genetics and nutrition teaching physicians around the world on how to use genetic information to get the underlying cause of disease, which is just so important to do. Her drive to understand true causes and her passion for helping those who are suffering from depression, anxiety, and attention issues have led her to create this program. She's the author of the books, Holistic Kinesiology and the Perfect Health in Paradise, available on Amazon. She's also built a program that will help many people struggling with mental health issues through genetic testing called My Happy Genes. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. J. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Ann. I'm excited to be here. It feels like you're uh, one of the tribe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are definitely in the same tribe, aren't we? So I think that this is such an important issue. I mean, you've been practicing for over 30 years. You know this better than I do. I've been in practice over 10. But I think when I ask patients, you know, what they want to work on or when they first come to see me, depression and anxiety and focus, you know that those are in the top three. Almost every person that we see has those. And so how did you get to really realizing how much of a role that genetics was actually playing playing in mental health? Because what we've seen, you know, generally how that's treated, anxiety, depression, antidepressants, antipsychotics, etc. So I'd just like to get into that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good question because uh, I was suffering from depression my entire life and looking for answers and being a practitioner for 30 years and having all the trick, you know, I'm a kinesiologist, I'm a chiropractor, I do functional medicine, I do emotional work, I do the whole package, but nothing ever really worked for me. And um, until I learned about genetics, and I started looking into my own genetic variants, and I found some pretty stunning stuff. And when I learned how to work with my genetics nutritionally and diet-wise, it changed everything. And I, I felt happy for the first time in my life not that long ago. Like, I knew the word. I'd heard about it. But I never really felt it until I turned on my own brain chemistry through understanding my genetics. And it changed everything for me. And as you say, you know, a lot of our patients come to us complaining of those things. And it's interesting because they won't go to their medical doctor complaining of that because they know what's going to happen. They're going to be put on, you know, prescription medications or told, you know, to go bucket up or go see a psychiatrist. Not good options. And so they know that when they come to us that we might have some other answers. And so when I started working with the genetics and doing, you know, and I had my incredible results, I, I started to think, well, I'm, I'm imagining that there are a lot of my patients who could benefit. So I started working with the genetics um, and, you know, getting their genes tested and designing nutritional programs around it. 
And I was stunned because people kept coming back into the office and saying, oh my God, same thing. You know, I think this is happy. I I think this is happy. I've never had it it before. I've never felt me. So it was very, very exciting. What was it that you really saw or what are you really seeing on genetic testing that is really pointing back to fixing or helping with issues with anxiety and depression? It's a good question. Let me give you just a, a, a sample of a gene that, w- that really kind of was one of the main genes that I looked at with me. Um, I initially did it with the data that we get from 23andMe. And mm-hmm. you, know, there's, you, you get your ancestry, yeah. But behind the scenes, you can get some raw data, which is your, you know, the genes that they tested for. And they only test for like 40,000 genes or so. Um, and then you can put that raw data through another uh, website. You know, it's some different websites that pull out different genes out of those 40,000 that they test, and, and they can look at them. And one of them was, it was called Genetic Genie, and um, I, I mean, they looked at like 30 genes, and one of them was the vitamin D receptor. And I had a big, uh, you know, you get one gene from mom, one gene from dad, and I had both genes, wrong code, for the vitamin D receptor, which means I can't absorb vitamin D. Mm-hmm. It reduces your ability to do that by about 70% when you have both genes from, you know, both parents that are a, a variant, let's say. And so my ability to, reduce, to absorb vitamin D reduced by about 70%. Well, it turns out that vitamin D is critical in the body making serotonin and dopamine. It's part of the biochemical pathway that has to be activated by vitamin D. I didn't yeah. know that. So I learned a ton just by doing that research. Mm-hmm. And um, here's, here's the other really interesting thing is, you know, I, my father, he died of lung cancer when he was 55. And it was no secret that he was, I mean, he was just headed for cancer the way he was living his life, you know, smoking and drinking and never exercising, et cetera. But his best friend did the same exact things and ended up living another 30 years. He, he ended up marrying my mother afterwards. So I saw this like science experiment. Yeah. Here's all the stuff we know, Dr. Ann, you know, don't smoke, you know, don't drink, don't ex- you know, exercise or whatever. One person dies from early from doing all the bad things and the other person lives another 30. They get away with it. And we, we know people like that, you know, that oh, yeah. get away with anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at that vitamin D receptor, one of the things it said when I looked it up in Google, you know, I went to a, a site called Snippedia, and it said uh, high incidence of lung cancer if you smoke when you have that gene. And I went, fascinating. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so I started just digging in, and I was like, how, what is that? How do I make that vitamin D receptor work better? And it turns out it needs cofactors. You know, it's uh, it's let's say it's a here's your receptor minds like this it can't you know vitamin d can't can't get in there and when you take cofactors there are certain nutritional cofactors it opens up the receptor now vitamin d can attach and when i did that my body started for the first time making serotonin and dopamine by itself i didn't have to take an ssri or any kind of medication my body started making it and bam within a very short period of time my brain shifted and i went whoa that's cool How prevalent do you think that is? Because, you know, just thinking back to labs, um, most people are deficient in vitamin D. Most people in like, whether it's severely deficient or just a little bit deficient, you know, where we're under 20, where we're actually medical range, like, you know, the flags are going, you are at risk for autoimmune disease. 
to whether it's under 40, you know, and they're like, well, I'm out in the sun, I'm doing this, or I'm taking vitamin D or people that are taking loads of vitamin D and they're at like 25 level of vitamin D. And, you know, you correlate that with like, for example, an organic acids test or a neurotransmitter test where you basically see, and you know, you might see a different subset, but I would say 90% of my patients are deficient in serotonin and dopamine, like grossly deficient. Totally. Yeah. And this was a big deal. Totally. So I saw this a lot too. And I saw the vitamin D, the low vitamin D levels on their blood work. And here's the really cool thing. You'll get this, Dr. Ann, because you're a kinesiologist. But um, on those people, I would get the blood work and here's the vitamin D and it's really low. But I would, I would think, okay, we just need to up the vitamin D, right? And we would put it on them and test them and it actually made them weak. It's like, they d- what is going on here? Why is it? why isn't the body just asking for vitamin D? And that was a puzzle to me because I trust my muscle testing, you know, I've been doing mm-hmm. it for 32 years. And, uh, but now I know why you have to have the cofactors in there before the body's going to take and accept that vitamin D. And so once I started doing that, exactly what you're saying, you know, there, uh, so many of my patients were low in serotonin and dopamine, which makes for, um, it, depending on your genes, but, um, makes for either, you know, apathy or addictions or just, you know, just depression, just massive depression and, and low motivation to do anything. So, and same thing I had, you know, these patients are like, no, I'm out in the sun all the time and I'm taking my vitamin D what's going on. And so it answered for me a big, a big question. And I saw, I see it a lot. I I do see it a lot too. I'd say in the U S you see it a lot more than you do in some other countries. Um, and it's, there's a reason for it. And, you know, it's genetically, uh, uh, what do you call selected for, basically. You know, all of our genes are there for a reason. They're not mistakes. They're not mutations. They're variations. So uh, what makes us unique, you know, as um, if you think about, I don't know, is this getting too much into philosophy? No, I like am super into this. It's about the American people. I mean, it's never enough right? We never enough money. We're never skinny enough. We're never, you know, we're never, we never enough cars. We have enough spouses or, you know, whatever. It's like always more, 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 more. And when you think about other countries, like in Europe, you know, they're like, Hey, let's just take a couple hours off in the middle of the day and chill. (laughs) And Americans are like, do you know how much I could get done in those two hours? Oh my God, we could get behind, you know, it's sort of like our mentality, but that's an indication of low dopamine. We're looking for that dopamine hit wherever yeah. we can get it. And um, it's interesting to look at people's genetic profiles because I can tell them, oh man, you're, you know, you're a total entrepreneur and you, and you, you looks like you're a, a novelty seeking person. You know, you're certain receptors for dopamine in the brain can be missing and it, it really colors your personality. And uh, I can spot them. I'll go, I'll bet. <laughs> Number one, you never stop working. Like you're Mm -hmm. always thinking and, you know, writing a new book or creating a new course or creating a new blog or, you know, uh, what can I do next? You know, what's the next thing? Uh, It's very common. There's a common genetic variance in in the United States. We're, We're entrepreneurs. We're a country of like massive amounts of entrepreneurs. And then there's another like area where if you have that particular genetic variant, it makes you question authority, you know, and like, okay, but, I think I could do it better. I mean, this is, they, you don't follow rules well. And if you think about the American way, that's, that's sort of who we are. You know? but, um, and then you look at other countries and you go, wow, they have a lot more emphasis on 
family and chill time and heart connection and you know it's it's kind of so it's interesting to look at it do you think um we are just blowing out our dopamine systems with our pace of life what we're doing i mean because to me i mean i just see deficiency after deficiency i mean even with that high drive they're like well i used to drive this hard and now i can only drive this hard and you know i can't I can't work 12 hours a day. I'm like, you're not supposed to. <laughs> you're just not. You need to, you need to slow down. But right. You can't do that day in and day out. Right. Well, the, the, you know, dopamine is made into adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you just do that, if you keep driving that, you know, over and over again, uh, pretty soon you're going to wear out the system. You're right. And so I do see people on adrenal exhaustion uh, very often, you know, and you probably have seen it too in your practice. Uh, how many adrenal patients do you have? Like all of them, everybody. It's, yeah. And this is the paradigm shift that happened um, in my practice, functional medicine, looking at adrenals, testing, you know, cortisol levels, adrenaline levels, all of that, uh, putting them on adrenal support, 90 plus percent of my patients, right? Now, if we get to the underlying cause of that adrenal exhaustion, which is often that vitamin D receptor, and among other receptor, among other genes, we get them going with just basic nutrients, and now the body makes adrenaline. I don't have to give them adrenal support anymore, and that was mind-blowing to me. That was one of the things that was a complete paradigm shift uh, from the functional medicine that I was doing to we're getting to a deeper cause mm -hmm. than we ever have before. Let's get the body making. Um, adrenaline instead of giving it to them um, and it changed it changed everything so and we it's, it's going back to the basics basic nutrients but they're targeted exactly for your genes um, so like b6 for one person would be great and for another person disaster you know mm -hmm. so you can't just say I'm just gonna give you a multiple vitamin and let your body sort it out it just it just doesn't work that way because certain nutrients are gonna send your you know one pathway this way and another pathway that way and uh, so you got to target the nutrition exactly to their genes. And man, things were changing uh, left and right. And things like even leaky gut, I saw disappearing without having to do the four R's, you know, the mm -hmm. replace, repair, re-inoculate, all that stuff. I don't have to do it anymore. The body does it. And, uh, you know, it's back to that philosophy of the power that made the body can heal the body. And mm -hmm. it does. If you give it the exact right nutrients for that person, according to their genes. And so that's what got me so excited about this work and uh, wanted to create. So when we're looking at, you know, somebody's specific gene. So for example, you're talking about the cofactors um, to support vitamin D, the cofactors to support dopamine. Um, we know that there's a fair amount, you know, to run through the pathway. So are you actually doing individualized testing to see where those are in space before you're giving additional um, cofactor support or how are you sorting that out? Uh, additional testing kinesiologically you mean? You, yeah that or or urine blood whatever whatever testing yeah well it's it's a good question because we uh, you know I, I can only see so many people and you can only see so many people in your in your practice one-on-one -on -one, and uh, I thought well I'm gonna go teach and I did so I've been traveling around the country teaching doctors all over the country how to do this kinesiology using kinesiology and it's uh, you know it's a, a definite protocol and it's easy to follow which is great using AK or any other kinesiology that you know 
But then I thought, well, I want to bring this to the world. You know, the mm-hmm. kinesiologists, we're a small percentage of people in the world, and I'm pretty I'm pretty prejudiced. I think we're kind of the best of the best. (laughs) It definitely, I feel like it does take you back when you muscle test. It it really takes you back because your brain is like, okay, it looks like X, Y, and Z. This is what it looks like on paper. And so you can give however many cofactor or nutrients or cofactors or antioxidants or whatever it is for for that but then when you muscle test you're like that doesn't work and then sometimes you're like well but my brain says this but the testing says this but this doesn't work and then you start to realize that maybe there's an order that their body wants to address it in and I you know I've really struggled um I've I've wanted to create a program that people could all you know could all digest or we could help heal people in a much larger fashion but I don't know how because I see I cannot do a protocol like I just can't be like this is how we treat X this is how we treat Y because there's so many like that would be so easy but but this would be already um, very digitalized or you know just very robotic at that point so I I really like that so really I think um, what what percentage of the population would you say have neurotransmitter imbalance? Do you think it's most of the population? Well, it's a big it's a big percentage, and maybe maybe we attract you know th- that population. I but, love that. <laughs> statistics are you know one in five in America have um, considered mental health issues, and that's not even counting the people that are like yeah. There's some days when I just can't function because my anxiety is so high or I'm so depressed or and they don't want to talk about it. And I didn't talk about it because I just like, I don't, I'm not going to do drugs and I'm not going to do mm-hmm. psychotherapy or I've tried it and it never it didn't really work did for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's a lot bigger percentage than we think. And then, and then we have people like my spousal unit who, you know, he's a flatliner. He's like, okay. <laughs> he's so easy. So easy that you like love those. Like, why can't I be more like that? That's so yeah. like, you just were born that way. That's nice. So do you find yeah. that when people are on antidepressants, antipsychotics, what does that do as you're trying to fix these pathways to address anxiety and depression? What are you seeing with that per se? Well, that's a really good question, and it, it does do some damage to the brain. It, it down your like, regulates your production, your innate production ability uh, for serotonin and dopamine. But it doesn't mean like it's permanent. There are things you can do to gradually get you know work with a psychotherapist or somebody who prescribed that medication. Work with them while you're getting you know the brain healed and getting the neurotransmitters made naturally. You can work with them to kind of you know do this, get them down off of their uh, drugs and get the brain making it better. It's a slow process. You really need to go slow. And so this was, this was the thing, Dr. Ann, is I, you know, when I created this program, I wanted to help um, a lot of just people, consumers out there. But then I thought, you know, we got to be tricky because if somebody is on an SSRI and we start going in there making brain neurotransmitters without, you know, them being under the care of somebody who knows what they're doing, it can be dangerous, you know, to let's say we make the body make a bunch of serotonin and they're already on an SSRI, their serotonin is going to go sky high and that can be a problem. It can be dangerous. So we designed a practitioner's portal for my happy genes that, you know, the practitioners can go in there and they can run 
we have five reports. We have one mood and personality that shows you your risk of like major depression or ADD or PTSD or even um, opioid addictions, which is kind mm -hmm. of a good, good thing to know. Uh, addictions and anxiety, all, all the categories. And then um, they can do a diet and lifestyle. That's to the consumer. They can buy those. You know, we figure diet and lifestyle is pretty easy. Pretty safe. Yeah, pretty safe. And then there are three reports that the doctor gets. And one of them is called My Healthy Genes. And it's more than just mood and personality. It's like your risks of cardiovascular disease or neurological diseases or COVID infections or, you know, all of the things there. And then uh, a biochemical pathway uh, report that shows which, which pathways, your detox, your uh, Krebs cycle, your brain chemistry, which ones are your major pathways where there are genetic variants affecting your ability to function well and creating health issues. And then uh, the last one is supplements. So they take a questionnaire. The patient takes a questionnaire because we want to see what's expressing. As you probably know, just because you have a gene doesn't mean anything. You know, whether or not it's expressing is uh, has a lot to do with, you know, what you eat and how you live and your stress levels and your, your attitude. Right. So we take all of that and we crunch that data and it, it spits out a supplement program based on your genes, the biochemical pathways, and then the symptoms that are expressing. So that gives the doctor a nice little like, oh, I can test off of this. I can use muscle testing to see, you know, does this, does this program work? And then uh, we designed a, a blood work panel at uh, professional co-op services. So you can go in there and do the My Happy Genes blood work panel that corresponds to the, the, the genetic test that we got back. And so you can see there too, you know, what's going on blood work wise. And what to do next. So you are kind of doing a mix between the muscle testing and that mm -hmm. genetic testing and the blood work testing to really see how you want to create an individualized, I can get that out, protocol for somebody to, you know, just get them optimal health primarily, right? Um, so as it relates to the stigma around mental health, what are you seeing with that and what have you seen in, in practice and especially as you've been going through this journey with some neurotransmitters? Some pretty stunning stuff. I, one of the first things, well, of course, aside from mine, but a lot of my patients were coming in saying, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm so happy. Or uh, I see grouchy people just totally being chill and nice again. That was really stunning. But one of the biggest ones that really stands out in my brain was a, a woman who was on methamphetamines. Mm -hmm. And she was a young mother. She had two kids at home, six and eight. And she would disappear for like a week at a time and go off to the meth den. And uh, her, uh, her aunt uh, um, brought her in and said, can you do something with this? And I was like, I don't know. I've never, you know, this was in the beginning. It was about seven years ago when I first started doing methylation and um, the genetic, uh, genetic reports. I said, I don't know. Let's, let's try. And uh, I put her on a, a, a supplement program according to what, you know, what muscle tested for her genetics, you know, using the kind of the genetic protocol that I developed. And within a week, she reported back that she had no cravings. And I went, uh-huh, that's nice. Okay. I don't know if you've ever worked with meth addicts, but you go, mm-hmm, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and so a year went by. She got her kids back. She got her, you know, she got a job. She got a house everything just settled down. She was like, I don't have any cravings. They're completely gone. 
I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then she stopped taking her supplements. She ran out and, and thought she couldn't afford them, and she went right back to meth. And the family called me up and said, do not let her run out of supplements. We will pay. Just put them on auto ship. <laughs> and to this day, it's been a good five years now. Uh, she's clean. She's clean. No cravings, no recidivism. You know, and, it was, and I've seen this with um, heroin. I've seen it with alcohol. I've seen it with cigarettes. I've seen it with workaholism. That, that was really kind of cool and stunning. Uh, you know, not not just the uh, uh, just the constant barrage of people coming back in and saying, "I'm not depressed anymore." I didn't didn't say anything to you, but uh, I just want you to know <laughs> I was struggling with that, and it's gone. <laughs> it's like that's so cool. It's it's very rewarding. That's really cool. And what are you seeing with like the general rule? I think alcohol is so prevalent. Drinking is so prevalent. So, what are you seeing? genetically that makes somebody really feel like they need to do that crave that and kind of the the neurotransmitter imbalances associated with that yeah it's a good question so one of the main genes that we look at with that is the dopamine drd2 it's a dopamine receptor in the brain and you know there are different dopamine receptors in different parts of the brain and according to what what uh what genetic variant you have will determine kind of what you crave for that dopamine hit. And so the DRD2, highly associated with alcohol uh, cravings, the DRD1s are more like the drug, you know, the methamphetamines and the heroines and the uh, opioids is another, another category. Uh, it's more like opioid receptors that are different than dopamine receptors. But um, the DRD3s, those are the more the workaholics and the DRD4s are often at the, um, uh, you know the the people with the big L on their forehead. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they often they can't hold down a job. They can't mm -hmm. keep a relationship going. They can't pay their taxes on time. You know, they just can't seem to get their lives together. And it's there's a genetic variant for that. And uh, so it's it really gives you compassion when you start to understand that there's a reason. You know, it's not lack of willpower. Um, there's a genetic reason in most cases. It's not to say that willpower isn't important and attitude isn't important 100%. But I know people that are just like, I can't overcome right. this craving. You know, I, it's going to take an act of, a huge act of will or God, you know, to, to get me through this because this is so bad. And it's so cool to see it turn off. You know, it's just, like I said, the, you know, the methamphetamine uh, addict, she came back in and she's like, I just don't even want it. And it's like, wow. That's, that's incredible. So cool. Yeah. Mean, we, I really have not had any exper experience with methamphetamines at all. Um, I've had a couple experiences. Obviously, I've, I've had a fair number with opioids. But I remember one of my most stunning experiences was with a heroin addict. And I, yeah. I'll never forget the way that I could see how much he was killing himself inside, like, you know, the smell and, you know, could not stay off of heroin. It was really kind of astounding. It was, it was, a, I mean, that's a hard, hard situation for everybody involved. So what, um, what are you noticing? Because marijuana is now starting to become the, you know, it's becoming much more widely accepted. You're seeing a lot more people using marijuana. What are you seeing with that with neurotransmitters? 
as um, well as genetics. Yeah, well, it's uh, we we have um, little receptors for that <laughs> in our brain, but when we when we fire up, that's a, the cannabinoid receptor is a vitamin D receptor. It's or I should say it backwards. Vitamin D receptor is a cannabinoid receptor, and mm -hmm. so when we fill the brain with dopamine, they lose um, they kind of lose the craving for that as well. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I know a lot of people use it for like pain relief and mood relief and all of that kind of thing. But there are also uh, cannabinoid receptors, CNRs is what they're called, a genetic variants there as well that we look at. Do you think, um, you know, there's, it's been highly debated. Do you think marijuana is addictive? Well, I think for some people it is. Yeah. But other people it's not. Yeah. So that's yeah, where yeah. the debate comes in. Right. I did my fair share in school, but I, I had no problem leaving it behind you know I was, I was one of those hippie chicks in, in college <laughs> my share of, the, the good news is I'm, I'm I don't have an addictive personality which is great because I was able to go well that was interesting not yeah I don't need to do that however when I did um uh when I was in the hospital and they gave me uh Demerol which is an opioid uh I was like "Ooh, I like that could I have some more of that and then I went oops uh, do not give me any more of that, no matter how much I beg you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I felt it. I felt it like that. It was like, wow. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> the opioid, that's the opioid crisis right there. Exactly. Well, and some people can do an opioid and go, yeah, okay, I had no problem with that. So this is, this is the value, too, of, of our report. It gives you a slider, like where you are on that scale of um, – a tendency to become addicted to opioids. I think that's really good knowledge because that way when you go to the hospital or whatever, you can say, do not, <laughs> I'm one of those people, do not give me any opioids because I'm highly susceptible to addiction. Um, and that's good, good information to have. And PTSD too. You know, we have been working with PTSD with, um, Ooh, that's a good topic <laughs> Yeah, with, uh, with vets, uh, especially, you know, that are, coming back and having their lives ruined by this, they're the same person can go through the same experience. One of them has PTSD and the other doesn't. And you can look at their genes and there are genes that are uh, highly, that makes them highly susceptible to PTSD with traumatic events. Uh, what are those? What are those genes that make them highly susceptible to that? There's one called RORA, R-O-R-A. That's, there's a lot of information on with PTSD, but also COMPT, the COMT, which breaks down your mm -hmm. adrenaline and, you know, your, your dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine uh, can make you, because you're already, at, your set point is already in the, like, anxious zone. Mm -hmm. um, and that one can be highly susceptible to PTSD. Mm -hmm. That's that not uncommon to be high. No, no it's not. And uh, it's funny, because you'll talk to these people. They're cool people. The COMPT people, they're usually... And I imagine you're one of them. You're, you're I probably, am. Yeah. <laughs> <You're>, Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Usually really smart, highly creative, busy. You know, they always have a new project going on. Uh, but they have a hard time shutting it down. Their brain is always thinking, you know, like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do that. I could do that. And Shut up. I'm trying to sleep. No, no, but I have a good idea. <laughs> they have a hard time meditating because their brain's going, yeah, but. Yeah, but uh, I got in five. I got it. <laughs> Can I check my email while I meditate? Is that is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's funny because I'll ask people that are comps, and I'll say, "Do you feel like you're anxious?" And they're like, "No, I'm I'm pretty good," but they've learned to manage it. 
you know, they've had to like lift, take stuff at night to go to sleep or calm down, or I have to stop and really make myself meditate or I have to take a hot bath. I have to work at it. And then we give them, you know, the nutrients needed to help break down the adrenaline and, and dopamine and all. And they suddenly go, oh, that's calm. I, I've never felt it. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, like, it's physiological, not, you know. Totally. Yeah. Are you seeing those patients be high with dopamine, low with adrenaline, or that they cannot convert the dopamine to adrenaline? And I won't geek out anymore. That's easy. So you have dopamine that converts to noradrenaline that converts to adrenaline. Mm -hmm. or, uh, nor, uh, adrenaline. Uh, anyway, um, there are genes between those pathways. So from getting from dopamine to noradrenaline, you could have a genetic variant there that keeps you from turning dopamine into noradrenaline. So it causes dopamine mm -hmm. to be too high, which can cause ADD, anxiety, um, you know, just definite focus issues. Uh, or you can have a genetic variant between turning norepinephrine into epinephrine or noradrenaline into adrenaline. And that can cause noradrenaline to be high and, uh, and adrenaline to be low. Those are your adrenal people. They stand up too quickly and they're going to pass out because their mm -hmm. blood pressure is so low and they, whoa. Um, and, or you can have that gene that doesn't let you break down the adrenaline and causes the adrenaline to be too high for a long period of time. And then eventually your adrenals go, you know, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm out. You've done too much. So there's a, a, a large variety of those things. So we look at those genes. Which genes do you have? Are you not making dopamine in the first place? Are you making too much dopamine and not breaking it down? Are you for you? It thinks for you and calculates all that you information. Know. It says, okay, well, you got this, this gene with that gene. So you need these two nutrients together. Okay. Um, you know, so it's a complicated algorithm, like but it's pretty agile. Um, so how do diet and nutrition affect these pathways? Good questions. We have good questions. Um, so tumor, let's take turmeric, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people think turmeric is a great thing to take because it's anti-inflammatory and it helps rebuild connective tissue and blah, 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 all the things. Well, if you have an MAO variant, it's going to make it worse and it's going to cause your serotonin to go too high, which will cause some anxiety and irritation and ADD. So that's, you know, we look at those kind of things. Um, histamine. I, I saw you had a histamine podcast on there. It looked pretty interesting. People like that. People like yeah. histamine. They like it. <laughs> so a lot of foods, if they can't, if they have the genetic variant where you can't break down histamine, uh, I would stay away from histamine foods. So we look at, you know, we look at what, what are your genetic variants? What are your best foods and what are your worst foods? And then we, we uh, give you a diet based on that kind of thing. And it, it's amazing how just that, can make a huge difference in your world. Like, like me, you know, I always thought, so I was doing a left brain thing of hey, keto sounds pretty good. Keto diet. I think, you know, there's a lot of good information on it out there and how amazing it is for losing weight and blah, blah, blah. Well, I tried it. <laughs> and I went, crash and, I, and burn. Yeah. When I looked at my genes, it was like, no, uh, low fat, low protein, higher in complex carbs. That's uh, the best diet for me genetically. And when I did that, huge difference. So mm -hmm. uh, we're all individual. And some people are like, nope, it's protein, low carb. I see a lot of that, low, low carb, high protein. Or in some people, it's no, it's high fat, you know, and they can do the keto and they're good on that. So it's just so, so individual. And, and we try to do it with left brain. And we try to, well, that sounds really interesting. My friend lost weight on that. Maybe I can too. 
and it doesn't doesn't usually work that way. It's pretty variable, right? I mean, you want to just be able to hand somebody a diet. Oh, here's an elimination diet. Have at it. And you're like, oh, you're worse. You're gaining weight. Oh, that doesn't work for you. You know, and or I I can't, you know, you see people that cannot fast, right? Because they just, they cannot, they absolutely cannot fast. It's dangerous for them, you know, yes. and yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that because I see it in my tests, you know, we do an intermittent fasting uh, slider that shows, yeah, some people cannot fast. You're exactly right. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I see so many doctors saying, no, everybody should fast. Yeah. I think it's really variable because again, you know, I run the oats test. And so I get a little bit of information about a lot of things. And so you yeah. can kind of see how somebody is metabolizing ketones and how, how they're oxidizing. Right. And so when you see that, like I've had people all the way down that are just like out of range on that piece. And yeah. you know, they absolutely cannot fast. They, you know, I'm like, you need to eat every two hours. You need to eat every yeah. three hours. And right. that manages their anxiety to, you know, it's, it's, I think that the thing, just like we said, it's so individualized. Each person is individualized and this type of medicine has to be individualized. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that I left out that you think is really important to cover? I totally geeked out today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I want to talk about the DNA kit for just a second because we, we um, contracted with a private lab to do our own DNA testing because 23andMe and Ancestry wasn't giving us the, the amount of data that we wanted and the privacy because a lot of people are like, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give up my, you know, my DNA and have it sold to pharmaceutical companies and whoever. Uh, and 23andMe and Ancestry do that readily if you don't get in there and, and, uh, erase your genes. So we went to a lab and we have our own DNA tests and it, it tests for 376,000 SNPs uh, in our, in, uh, the ability to test for those, but we only report on 500, which is actually a huge amount of genes to report on. The first one I did with genetic genie was 30 genes. Now we're doing 500 and um, it's all peer reviewed studies. Everything I say on there, you know, associated with a gene has a study to back it up to show that, yeah, that does uh, correspond to genetic variants. But um, so we got our own DNA kit and we started getting our gene uh, tests back and we have like all this amazing information and it's, it's working well. It's an easy to use swab too, instead of the spit test. You know, I don't know if you've ever done the 23andMe or Ancestry. I refuse to do 23andMe because I don't want my information sold. Yeah. Well, the only thing they track in our lab is the barcode. So we have a little barcode on our package, and that's the only thing that is attached to your sample. So it goes to the lab, comes back to us with that barcode on it. They dispose of your sample within 30 days. So it's super private. And you can put, you know, when when you come and you register on our site, you can put any name you want. You you can put Mickey Mouse in there. Chuck Stanley. (laughs) (laughs) that's my alias (laughs) i don't know where that came from it just came to me anyway (laughs) yeah right that's really cool so how much does this test cost uh the dna cat the dna kit is 249 to the general public we do have wholesale pricing for practitioners so there's no cost to join up as a practitioner you just get wholesale pricing on our products but the the kit is 249 
And then the tests, the reports, there's two of them. There's the mood and personality and the diet and lifestyle for the public. Uh, $49 each or $79 for the two of them. And then, um, again, wholesale pricing from behind the scenes for practitioners, if you're, if you're interested in those. For the other five reports for practitioners, two for the public. Awesome. Uh, uh, let it, me know if you're interested, and I'll show you. Uh, sometime I'll show you the... Uh, the backside of the practitioner. Sounds wonderful. And do you have, in, in order for folks to run their data through, is there an additional cost for that or is that all kind of covered? Uh, to run their data through, yeah, the, the reports are separate. So you can okay. buy one or two, you know, you have okay. the option to buy one or two or you can get your data back and work with a practitioner. We have about 500 practitioners around the country trained on how to read these, you know, reports and design the programs for them. So. Awesome. So if you want, there's a free ebook if you're interested in learning more. And if you go to myhappygenes.info, you can get that. We'll put this down below. Okay, awesome. And that's where people can find everything that you've talked about today if they want to do this or want to get in touch with you or anything else. Yeah, they can go to myhappygenes.com to look at our website. The .info will give them the free ebook. Uh, okay. So awesome. In okay, we will definitely put those below. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything that we missed or didn't cover? Oh, there's lots of stuff. I know, I know. We'll have to do another one. Or <laughs> yeah. I'm not geeking out on the dopamine pathway. <laughs> I know. You're my favorite too, Dr. Me Anna. too. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, sharing such wonderful knowledge. So grateful to have you here today. So thank you so much for inviting me. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed learning with us today, please give us a five-star review, comment, like, and share our podcast with your friends and family. As always, if you'd like to learn more information about today's guest, please head over to fearlesshealthpodcast.com for links to their site and other educational resources. Which is cool. Very cool.
Instagram does it now. It's like, think about.